There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to another edition of Friday Views through the Raptors of Everything podcast. This is your host, Reese. I'm joined by big contributor, Yahoo Sports. You can see him on the TL, also with Sportsnet. Big fan of his, uh, a lot of good work. Uh, one of the funnier guys as well, well-spoken guys. How, how are you doing, bro? I'm doing good, man. How are you doing? Good, good. It's been an interesting week in basketball. I don't know what the direction of the league is looking like with all these outbreaks and stuff like that. But in the meantime, we can cover what is available for us to cover. Uh, interesting week. Got the blowout win versus the Kings. Bench had the best year or the best game of their season so far. Kind of goes the other way against the Nets. We'll talk about that more in depth later. Steph Curry breaks the all-time leader in threes. He has a night out in New York City. Now him and Draymond are talking about using us as a rest game. So that's a little interesting, a little disrespectful. Uh, COVID, today is Thursday, shooting on Thursday before the Friday drop. Shams and uh, Woe just tweeting out like it's draft day, all these guys out with COVID and what the potential implications of the league and potential stopping and whatnot, what that looks like. And then we want to get right into Nick Nurse uh, announcing that Ken Burge, Precious Achua, excuse me, and OJ and Obi are back in practice. I want to tee that up first and just, especially after the loss against the Nets, which we'll get into depth about, what does that mean for the team in the short run? And is there a little bit of optimism, especially with the bench struggles, having three guys that are big contributors on, the, on, you know, on this team coming back and playing? What do you think about that? Bro, we're adding talent to the roster. That'd be incredible, right? <laughs> like we've been we've been watching like every game. It's like, all right, well, the starters are killing it every single game. And it's like, yo, we need one one more guy to just like be not, you know, a third stringer. And like we've seen, and then what happens is like you're having the starters play these massive minutes, do these big things, but they just don't have any support. So getting OG back, just just getting OG back, um, giving you another actual big body. Uh, and not even like the guys that are coming back, they're all bigs, right? They're coming back, which should help. Cause I think the one thing that I think people have kind of noticed is like, people always say, Oh, Pascal is kind of fading in the fourth quarter, right. Or whatever it might be. And I think what people don't really recognize, and this actually goes back to, if you remember the bubble when we played the Celtics and we had to play our small lineup, like heavy minutes, just like how worn down OG and Pascal would be in the end of those games, because they're playing they're playing the five man. They're constantly picking up the low guy. They're battling these massive bigs and they just don't have legs when it comes to the actual fourth quarter. And that was both OG and Pascal. So we're seeing that again in this little bit of stretch where it's like, we got no big. So you got Pascal and Scotty doing all the heavy lifting down low. Cause Chris Boucher ain't boxing anybody out. We all know that. <laughs> so, and then you saw that. And if you want to point to the specific thing there where you can see Pascal had no legs, you can pull up the clip is that three that he bricked off front iron in yep. the, uh, in the overtime. After mm-hmm. Fred passed it to him, he didn't even get off the ground. Like, I don't even think his hips <laughs> were able to move. He was just locked in the ground. The guy was just begging for the ball to get to the rim. So and that's unfortunate for Pascal coming off what was a fantastic yeah. game. He puts Katie on a poster. It seemed like he got whatever he wanted 
the first three quarters. And then it's just like, oh, let's just get over the finish line. We're playing against a depleted team in their own right. And it just felt like ah, uh, an extra couple of rebounds here and there. Yeah. Especially, it seemed like they played well. Like, yeah. we can point fingers and we'll get more into that. Chris Boucher missed assignment. You know, Van Fleet, Siakam had good games, but you would have liked to see them put the game away. You don't want to attribute the loss all on them, but it, it's tough. One, two plays, one, two yeah. big rebounds here and there. And it's and tough, right? Because, like, you always look at the plays at the end of the game, like, oh, they didn't, they couldn't close it out. But it's like, man, Pascal played 44 minutes playing the five. Van Fleet yep. played 47 minutes. It's like, yo, like, they had amazing games because they basically had to full carry the game to get to that point. Like Absolutely. that third quarter, the starters went completely off to save that game because they went into, went into third down 10 because the bench completely blew it open because they couldn't – like mm-hmm. if the bench is getting outscored by their third stringers, and that was really the difference in that game. Like KD was pretty much held in check. The Raptors starters played KD. He didn't shoot well. They played, well, he didn't shoot in the KD standard. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they played Patty Mills pretty – like Patty Mills and KD went off, but like the Raptors starters scored enough to even them out. Absolutely. They lost because, you know, you've got Edwards going off for 17 points. you got De'Aaron Sharp getting seven and seven off the, off the bench, right? Like, mm-hmm. they're third stringers who are legitimately third stringers. Like, legitimately, like, we called them up before. Oh, they the don't play. Games. Yeah. It's like, yo, who is the closest G-leaguer <laughs> to the arena? And those guys <laughs> came up and they showed out. While, you know, our bench, it's like, get nine minutes out of Svi and he's negative 15 in those nine minutes. It's crazy. Like, it's insane. Yeah, How did you turn over the ball twice in nine minutes? And it, it's disappointing after the Kings game. You thought they were kind of turning the corner. So I want to ask you this next. Uh, you got OG, Kim, Precious coming back, I'd like to say, within the next week or two weeks. Ideally, around Christmas time or beyond Christmas time that all three are back in the lineup. What does it look like? Because you're getting good basketball from Pascal. Scotty, who everyone wants to hear about, and we'll be talking about Scotty in a little bit here, has been sensational. Had a wonderful game against the Nets. What happens – with, with their minutes, what happens incorporating Precious and Kem back in and what that might mean for, for Chris Boucher himself, who's been getting a lot of tick lately. And just tell me a little bit about what you see the, the foundation of the team and the team dynamic looking forward. So I don't know who Nick Nurse decides to start. I guess it depends on which one to Kem and Achua comes back first. They get to be the starter to kind of go with, and then you'll play with it, depending on how he wants to do it. But with OG back, the one thing you're going to see is you're just going to see less. Uh, like Pascal's minutes are going to come down a bit. And Fred's minutes are going to come down a bit just because those starter with the bench lineups that they have to run. Now you can use OG instead of Pascal and uh, Fred to kind of carry those. Right. So you have a little bit more room there. Also, like, even if the minutes don't come down, like you're definitely going to see the the stat totals come down. Like right now it's like, you know, Pascal's got 25, Fred's got 31, Gary Trent's got 25, Sky's got 23. Those are awesome stats. And you look at their last five games, all their stats are dope. But it's like, because they have to do everything, right? It's like, you're going to get OG to kind of draw those stats down. So the stats might come down. And every night you're going to have one of the five probably have like a poor shooting game. Like it'll be below average shooting game. But on the whole, you're just going to have a lot of guys getting like 20 points. And the one guy who's hot is probably going to carry it. And I think that's the one thing where a lot of people like, when Pascal first came back, they're like, oh, Pascal came back. Scotty's numbers went down. I'm like, well, yeah, because there's more good guys on the floor (laughs) now. Like you got to pass the touches around, right? But overall as a team, the starters were fantastic. So it should be interesting to see that. I think just having Ken back and having Precious back is just going to take – it's going to ease kind of the load that's been on Pascal and OG when they have been healthy and playing because they've been having to take these bigs. So I don't want to really see too many – I think Justin Champagny probably doesn't get too many minutes anymore. I think he's probably out of the rotation again um, just because he was being used basically as a Rondé Hollis-Jefferson type five. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think 
Malachi Flynn's probably gone out of the rotation again because you don't you don't need the extra the extra shooter. And Svi, Svi honestly is probably your ninth man, right? So if Svi's playing well, he's in the rotation. If he's not playing well, you play Banton instead, right? You play Blanton, maybe you play Flynn in front of him because now you have a lot of a lot more bigger bodies, so you can afford to put Flynn in. So that'll be. I think overall we should just be happy that we're getting health back. And I wouldn't even say a week or two. Usually what happens is like Nick Nurse isn't trustworthy for shit. The guys just <laughs> he'd just be lying on stage. Uh, but he did say they, they they did practice. And usually it takes uh, for an injured player to come back for the Raptors. Like they have to go through one full practice. And as mm-hmm. long as they can go through a practice without any issues, they're they're able to play. So I think we could see them potentially this weekend or in the coming That'd be weeks. Great. Uh, but of course, because we're still in that race, yeah. we're not completely out of it. Last time I checked the standings about a game or a game back from from the play in and maybe two, two and a half games back from the eighth seed. So it's good to see, you know, the reinforcements and the troops coming back in. I want to shift to the Nets game a little bit here. We, we could talk about the Kings game and it seemed like the bench, the Utah's, the Svees, the Chris Boucher, 17 points that they look like they're potentially turning the corner but maybe that's attributed to the Kings just being a dysfunctional basketball team with their own problems. you got Kevin Durant, MVP front runner. You have Patty Mills, good vet, but you see him in the lineup and you're not necessarily scared. The ghost of Blake Griffin and then a few G leaguers. And it seemed like just the game got away from them early. You had the enthusiasm and energy of Gary Trent Jr., who is fantastic. Scotty Barnes, you, they're down 13. Gary Trent hits that buzzer beater three at half and then tells Kevin Durant to F off. We got a whole nother half. And then they just rally, and it's just every bucket's going in. Pascal getting what he wants. Scotty facing up on Kevin Durant, which, oh, we'll get into that. That boy might be special. And then Gary just, he seems to just, when we think maybe he's leveling off, that there's just another gear there with him or maybe just – another dimension to his game and maybe that chippy talk shit aspect of the game makes him better and gives him you know a plus two plus three if you're a 2k fan uh in attributes and then you just need some spot duty from the bench you just need to just give our guys five minutes six minutes and you're playing against g-leaguers you're playing against you know kessler edwards is is decent but he's a rookie daron sharp in his own right big high school accolades and 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 rankings and all that scotty barnes former teammate, he's he's not a world beater. And then was it David Hasselhoff or David Duke, whatever whatever that guy's name is, getting timely rebounds, finishing buckets, and he's talking shit and going back and forth with Chris Boucher. And you just – that was one where it was like, ah, you you, you wanted that. And it's not like and those just, guys are like anything special. Like David Duke Jr. is effectively the same player that Justin Champagny is. He can't shoot, and he just hits the board. He's playing hustle minutes, but – David Jr. is able to put an impact on the game. Uh, Justin Champagne got pulled because he straight up couldn't hit the rim on his shots, mm-hmm. uh, which is rough, right? And then, like, Kessler Edwards straight up dominated. Like, that's where it's like you give a guy an opportunity good. and he takes it. And the Raptors had nobody take an opportunity. Like, even, like, of like Utah Watanabe, at the best, at least he plays sound defense and he hustles hard, and he did all that, didn't hit a shot. It's unfortunate you don't hit a shot. Uh, you can kind of forgive like not hitting shots if you're playing hard and you're not making mistakes, but then like, come on, Malachi Flynn, Svi and like freaking Chris Boucher. I can't, I, I don't want to really get into Chris Boucher. Cause like it, the guy frustrates me at the same uh, way. I'm going to play, I'm going to play a little devil's advocate with you with Chris Boucher. And I was doing this on the timeline uh, over the last couple of days. I don't think Chris's game 
was that bad. I, I think you could have even given him a solid game had that miscommunication or AK. Some people are calling it an outright blunder. That's your man. You should have stick to them. I talked to a couple coaches, um, you know, AAU coaches, college coaches, a couple former players, uh, mixed reviews on that. Some say you could have tagged and communicated to Gary Pascal to take that and the helper helped the help. Some are saying, well, Gary Trent is being screened. He can't even get to that man. And Chris had a full lane to get to him. No problem. And that's tough. That's, what are, what are your thoughts? We can just jump right into it. What are your thoughts at last possession? I, I know it's it- like, it's not even the last possession. It's kind of like a, throughout the game. It's like, the thing is, it's like the mistakes he makes are the mistakes you expect from like a young player or like a really bench guy. And Chris Boucher is the, was the oldest Raptor playing. He was Outside the of Kevin oldest Durant, He might've been the oldest the guy on the floor. It was like Patty Mills, Kevin Durant, Chris Boucher. So it's like, <laughs> man, you, you got to play more mature. And this is something that came in last year when uh, it became obvious that Chris Boucher was going to get big minutes. And like Fred Van Vliet said it, Pascal said, it's like, we're going to need a lot from Chris. You know, Chris is really important for this team. And last season he played just enough offense where his defensive mistakes and like the, like just the mental blunders like that he'll have, like the lapses that he'll have on the court don't hurt you as much. But this is where it hurts you, where you make just like you really need Chris Boucher to give you good minutes. He gave you 32 minutes. He was okay in them. He got bodied by Sharp the entire night, which is unfortunate. <laughs> like it is what it is, but man, you got legitimately bodied. But oh, Sharp let him know, by the way, on Instagram. Oh, yeah. Oh man. <laughs> <laughs> like the thing that you really can't forgive is you're the oldest dude on the team and you're getting a tech. And that tech pisses me off multiple reasons. One's like, yeah, you got a nice block, sure. It wasn't even a block. It the didn't count. Was already <laughs> dead. It was already <laughs> so what are you doing about that? Like, it's already your ball. And you just go scream in this rookie's face, get a tech, and, hey, that, that's a point. That's your point right there, right? Like, bang. And it's just – it was a buildup throughout the game where it's like either he's not boxing out or he's just mixing a box out here or whatever. Offensively, I didn't think he was too bad. He wasn't getting in the way anywhere, and he took the shots mm-hmm. he had to take. So I didn't mind he that, three, but it's just like – Man, like you need you needed a fifth guy to be counted on, and you're the only big. You just have to play with a little bit more awareness, and mm-hmm. that's the thing with Chris Boucher, which is always frustrating. It was like the mistakes and the lapses he makes are always like at the worst possible times. They mm-hmm. always hurt you, and that's kind of what you can't have. And that's what the frustration is. It's like, man, if you were a first, second year player, you kind of forgive it. It's like rookie, it's rookie stuff. But even Scotty, no Scotty in the first couple of weeks was missing box outs left and right. He doesn't anymore, and he fix up, right? Yep. Delano, fix up. Like, every other player you see them fix up with Boucher, it's the same same errors almost every single year. It's like, man, like, at some point, you lose rope. So, I'm going to take you to the 50 seconds prior to that last possession. Forget the Chris Boucher blunder. You have, I, I believe, two opportunities to put this team away on offense. Uh, you mentioned tire legs. That's very valid. You have arguably your best player that night, Pascal Siakam, essentially playing four or five. He's been getting eight to 10 beyond rebounds per game. He's banging. And ultimately, you want him to be a wing creator and not banging in the post. You have two opportunities to kind of put them away. You don't. And then the last possession of the game in regulation, you you get a less than ideal Van Fleet possession, even though. He, I thought Van Fleet was good all game until that. He said that he made a couple mistakes, and there's a couple plays he'd like to take back. But from the second quarter, could have been down 20, and Van Fleet kept the Senate. I thought he was good third quarter, early fourth, and the game kind of got away on offense. 
what would you like to see differently, especially with the flashes you got from Scotty and Gary and them being able to exploit their mismatches? And do you wish that they might have had the ball in their hands to kind of close it out since they're the hot hand? Yeah, I think with Gary, like one thing that we know, and a lot of people, it's a lot of teams kind of note it going in the second half. And if you see his second half game, you'll see how the Nets kind of defended him. Gary is like the ultimate right-handed shooter where he just wants to get to that little left. He wants to get yeah. a little bit going left and he just gets a little fade and goes. And the Nets just denied him that like entire second half. And people talk about, well, Gary hit that shot at the end of the second quarter. That we should have gotten, should have gotten the ball. But at the end of the third quarter, they got Gary the ball for the last shot of the hit. And he could not get to the left <laughs> and could not get the shot up. Like he, he, he was stumbling. So that's one of the issues with Gary is like, he's still a very young player and he is still, one-dimensional and knowing which way he wants to go. People kind of know. So I didn't mind that, like, Gary's a spacer at the end of the day. Uh, Scotty, he was great. He got involved in the offense. I think he did a good job. Uh, I think the worry, and again, the worry generally just becomes like, yo, you don't want to turn the ball over late, so the older guys kind of take the ball. You're more trusty ball handlers. Could you, like, I'm not going to argue in a late game whether, oh, man, Scotty should have taken that instead of Fred or Scotty should have taken that instead of Pascal. It's kind of like, well, these are your top guys. Whoever has it, whoever has the opportunity, go for it, right? Like if Fred's got somebody on him that isn't going to be able to guard him, he should go for it. Like that Blake, he got Blake on a mismatch, and they called a foul. He hit the jump shot. They said, nah, fouls before the shot. And then they review the foul. They say, oh, it's offensive? Nah. And then it kills the play. And it's like, well, this sucks. Kind of kills your momentum there. Pascal honestly just seemed dead um, at the end of the overtime. He didn't seem to have the legs because he wasn't attacking the basket as much. And then I think the one attack he had on the basket, he just didn't have the legs to actually get the ball to the rim. Mm -hmm. I think he left it off the glass hard. So you kind of live with it. Uh, I think the only thing I quibble with and the same stuff that Fred would quibble with is like he took that one really, really early three in transition with like a minute 30 left. Uh, but I think the Raptors were down two at the time or something like that. So that was that was a little tough. But even the last shot that Fred took, like, I think the TV angle makes it look a little worse, but he actually did get a fair bit of room on that he, shot. He got those body lights. And he just airballed it. And, you know, it is what it is. You kind of eat it and you kind of move on. Uh, but that's a, that's a place where it's like, yo, if you had an OG, like maybe OG's, OG's the guy you give it to, right? Because you can kind of mm -hmm. space create and draw an advantage. Um, but, hey, it's tough. Again, like, if you look at, what was happening on the other end. I think Brooklyn was more or less playing with a similar style of roster than us where they had like their core guys who could create and they had a bunch of guys filling in. It's like, well, you need your fifth guy to fill in. So Chris Boucher, he was leaking. Actually, let me, let me double back. The one thing I will give Fred, <laughs> Fred had a bad, Fred had a bad fourth quarter overtime shooting the ball, but he made some incredible passes in overtime that I think people aren't giving enough credit to. He found Chris Boucher down low, like with a laser, for a layup, he found mm -hmm. Pascal Siakam on a no-look laser. They were up for it to start out OT. There was a, that play in OT where I think Gary got him the ball at half, like uh, got the ball over half, passed him on the wing, and he just touched past it right back to Gary going full speed and got Gary a layup. Mm -hmm. And I was like, man, Fred made some incredible passes. Had a couple of bad shots, so you got to live with it, but he also had some great passes. He had nine assists on the night. Uh, but, hey, like it's it's – it's hard in a game of basketball to quibble about like single possessions here and there, because like once you get to overtime, uh, you've played so many minutes that everything kind of becomes a fog and you're trying to hope for the best. Like there are a lot of possessions. If you go the other way with the nets, like where, Oh, Kevin Durant wasted this possession or Patty Mills wasted this possession, but you don't do you really still, notice when you win. Do you still feel that um, some of the disappointment in that loss, especially those younger guys, the Scotty and the Gary's not getting the ball is somewhat warranted just because of the direction of the team where we've been 
very vocal about we want to build around these young guys. We're going to give them high leverage minutes. We are rebuilding wins and losses. It's not so much the importance here more so than the the process of it all. And a part of the process is when, like, for example, Barnes, and I want to allude to us being down three, end of or being down three, I believe 210 left, end of shot clock, what looks like a step back, step back circus shot on former teammate Darren Sharp one of the plays of the game and it just like, wow, he just, I did not know that was in his bag. Is it, do you think some I of agree. that criticism and disappointment is a little warranted because there's not championship aspirations yeah. this year. The team is shifting to, you know, a youth movement a little bit, obviously Pascal and Van Fleet are probably going to be a part of that. And your yeah. next winning championship team is probably going to include those two, or at least one of those two, but this feels damn near like a throwaway season a little bit. And you wanted to give those young guys, especially when they're feeling it that moment, I would have loved to see Scotty who it seemed like he got whatever he wanted against Kevin Durant's been good defensively this year. Like Kevin Durant is not a slouch defender. Dayron Sharp is an athletic kid. Like he would, he was putting in work. Do you think some of that criticism is warranted that those guys still didn't get the shot, even though ideally still Van Fleet and Siakam earned the right to have that ball late, you know, late in the game. So I agree. I, I agree with the, with why people are upset, but I don't think that's actually what happened. Like you can talk about, Oh, this last shot didn't go to this guy. This last shot went to this guy. But Scotty got a ton of positions in the fourth and in overtime in the actual clutch, like final two minutes, final three minutes, touched the bottle a lot. And they literally gave him ISOs. Those are all real clutch possessions that matter. Right. So those, those happen. Also, I think it's like, you can say it's a throwaway season, like in, in a sense, but it's like, it's throwaway season where like, well, you still want to make the playoffs and get these guys playoff reps. Yeah, they're still trying. Like, you still want to get these guys the best reps they can. When it's winning time, you want to win the game, right? And mm-hmm. I think in the positions that they were in, I think both times, uh, the last possession in the fourth, they had it was a tie game. So in a tie game, you want just the last shot. You don't want to turn over. So mm-hmm. in that situation, it's like, well, you could call up a play and give it to Scotty, but I'll be honest with you, Scotty's handle is pretty high. And mm-hmm. most likely you're going to catch a double, right? So you want the ball in the safest pair of hands so you don't lose the game because you definitely don't want to lose the game. So mm-hmm. I don't mind them not giving Scotty in that possession. And I also don't think like, I think there's a lot of like Nick Nurse slander that happens whenever like a very specific circuit stance doesn't happen. But like, this is the same Nick Nurse that gave Pascal Siakam the opportunity to, to win a game in Phoenix um, in during the championship year. It's the same yep. Nick Nurse that gave Norm Powell multiple end, end of game possessions when it was tied. It's like Even in the playoffs versus winner. Boston. Right. Mm-hmm. Like Nick Nurse has no problem drawing up plays for any of his guys to kind of win the game. So I think his time's going to come at some point. It's going to depend on matchup and situation. But I think it's I think it's wrong to just look at the last shot and be like, oh, he didn't get the opportunity for the last shot. It's like if he didn't get any opportunities in the full whole overtime, like if they just iced him out and made him like a rim runner, then I'd be pissed. But Scotty got a bunch of ISOs. Scotty got a bunch of like straight on attacks of Kawhi, uh, on Kevin Durant and Fred and Pascal were totally cool with clearing out for him. So as long as that's happening, I don't. Like, not going to complain too much, but so good point. Uh, let's narrow the conversation a little bit back to Scotty because he's the man of the hour. He's our rookie of the year at the very least, even if he doesn't win it all. 15 and a half points a game, almost nine rebounds a game, more, more than three assists, almost two blocks, 49 39 on th- almost four attempts in the month of December, 39% from three and almost four attempts in the month of December. You got 23 against KD where it felt like if Kevin Durant was guarding him, he took that as a personal challenge. 
felt like the moment was never too big for him. He embraced the lights. It's still Kevin Durant. That's still potentially the MVP. And when the game almost got away from us a little bit in that fourth, whether that was a big defensive play, whether that is, I, I mentioned it before, that uh, step back three, down three, two minutes left, just the confidence to pull that out of his bag and hit that shot. I just, where do you see Scotty from the start of the year to now? And what do you potentially envision this kid to be for the end of the year? As you know, rookies, they take their turn in the all-star break and then the years to come. You can go anywhere. Like he's, he's so big. And like, as his handle smooths out as a jumper, he gets more confident with it. Like now he's getting more confident of shooting a jumper off balance and not every jumper has to be on balance. So that's, that's all very interesting to me. I love it. I think it's, it's very interesting. My only thing is when you look at this game and I'm just looking at the shot breakdown for this game, he had one shot at halftime and that had nothing to do with that. You can, you can't blame that on his teammates, the other starters that has entirely to do with Scotty and how aggressive he's being Sacramento game. He was super aggressive. He had a mismatch. He attacked all the time. He looks amazing in this game. And we've seen it. I think this is the only growing area this whole season where it's like, man, Scotty do more, just, just do it. Like you have the ball, like he gets touches. It's not like he doesn't get the ball. He gets the ball in the middle of the floor, but a lot of times he'll either just get disengaged in the first half or he's kind of maybe observing the game in the first half. And then the second half, he has his third quarter Scotty moment where he just turns it up. And it's like, hey, man, if you do this the entire game, then, you know, it's a completely different outlook, right? Uh, legitimately had one shot in the first half. I just checked that out. He was one of one at halftime. <laughs> and then in the second half, he took like 12 shots. So that's awesome. that aggressiveness is kind of what he's you want special. to see. And you see, and like, if you're talking about Nick Nurse as a coach again, Nick Nurse, the one thing he's preached after every single game. Yeah, Scotty was great, but you should take more shots. Scotty is great. You should be more aggressive. Every Scottie's time. Scotty's do more. The fact that they're not putting any cap on him, and you can talk about Fred Van Vliet as a leader. Fred Van Vliet's made it his personal project, he said. He's like, I want Scotty yep. to be as great as possible. And every time you've heard Pascal talk about Scotty, he's but completely complimentary. He's like, yeah, he's a great player. I play with him. He's great. And sky's the limit for him. Like, he can do everything. So with Scotty, it's just like, man, just be more aggressive. Because like, even if Scotty is the fourth option behind OG Pascal and Fred, he should be basically eating. Because if those guys are getting the ball, getting denied, and have to give the ball up, Scotty should be feasting on the fourth best. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Defender on the team or the fifth best defender on the team, right? Just dominate that short roll. Dominate the middle of the floor. And you see when he does, he starts taking these shots. And it's like, it's... man, these shots are available to you all game. Just go for it. Hey, has he had a 30-point game this year? That's the, that's the one I'm waiting on. I think a couple 26s, 
couple twenty threes. I feel like he hit thirty in one of those games, and okay. it, and I think that was the game Nick said, "Yo, you still should have shot more." It's it's crazy. It's crazy. Uh, I want to reference the Rappers Over Everything pod uh, that dropped yesterday with Ahmed and Katie. Shout out them to phenomenal people, very talented. Uh, I got a couple sound bites from them. Ahmed made a, a funny point where it seems like there's this shock and awe, almost like the president kissing a baby when the baby starts walking or talking and just like the oh shit awe moment when we see something brand new from Scotty that we didn't hear about it in, a, in his draft profile, maybe not in summer league, maybe not early in there. It always feels like he's adding a new dimension to his game. Maybe some of it is ignorance on our part that we just, we're not working with him. We're not in the gym with him when he's putting in work every day with, with his skill development guys and, and the type of work that he puts in. And Katie kind of countered that by saying, well, you can sense by the confidence in these shots and just the willingness to take it as a rookie that, Maybe he always had this in his game. Maybe this was always a part of his bag. And for one reason or another, being maybe being on those stack teams, maybe where he decided to go to college, uh, you know, it was reeled in a little bit. Uh, and we didn't get to see all of that that he's potentially capable of giving. My question for you is, what more can he add to his plate for the rest of this year, just based off of what feels like just a new skill, new just attribute to his game that just pops up every week or two what more do you want to put on his plate as he can handle tough minutes he's guarding the, the toughest scores wing scores in the league the kevin durant's the jason Tatum's. he's 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 following them around he's he's like a cornerback in the nfl and then on offense you see the confidence there turn around mid-range posting up guys good footwork almost a dream shake step back threes what what more do you see us potentially putting on Scotty's plate throughout the rest of the year. Uh, honestly, and I think this goes back to what Katie's getting to, and this is probably why we haven't seen it in his game, scouting him, or you see it in high school or college. Is and it's the same issue that Nick Nurse kind of keeps bringing up with him. It's just aggression, like bro, it's, it's you. Like stop passing, like stop constantly. Don't play as passively. Like you're generally the best option if you get the ball in the middle of the floor and you've got some random like bench big on you or some random switch, you got a guard switch on you, go attack that. Like you're the option. Stop looking for the pass. So it's one is mentality is just aggressiveness. And it's something that Anthony Davis said before Anthony Davis, like started dominating with the Pelicans. Like when he really took off with the Pelicans was he said that he took on a Russell Westbrook mentality where he's like, I'm getting the ball and I'm just like basically making a beeline for the rim and I'm playing hard every possession and make them stop me. Right. Scotty can draw fouls. He can just keep attacking the rims. He's the biggest, strongest guy out there most of the time. Just go for it. And I think that's – it's a with him, it's going to come down to a mentality thing. It's like, man, I got to be the dude hitting the rim. Like, you see how Giannis plays? Giannis is just, like, a steamrolling to the rim every single possession. He's like, I will make you stop me. You can set up your wall. You can do whatever. But, like, you know, was that Marshawn Lynch? I'm just go over and over and yeah. over and over again. <laughs> that that's it. That's what you need from Scotty, right? So that's kind of what I want to see. Otherwise, he has everything. Like he can shoot it if he wants to. Um, and it's just that urgency. Like playing with urgency is, I think, the biggest thing. Because that's the it's one hurt. thing. Like the mistakes, the thing that I think all Twitter erupts is whenever Scotty has a fast break or he's in training. And he does does some dumb shit like look back <laughs> or slow up like, and then bro, try just to go dunk. get the bucket and then yeah, the no look the dunk bucket. or the stare no down dunk where he gets his yeah. shit blocked. Like, come on. <laughs> You could add 20 this game. He just gave away four points. But, yeah. you know, Scotty's my guy. Nick is saying he's getting taller as he gets older. 
gets a little more flexible, more bend. I think that's going to improve the handle a little bit. I, I think as he grows in his body, he's still such a young kid. I don't know too many 20-year-olds that are 6'8", six, 6'9", six, at that size that really understand the full range of motion in their body yet. Uh, so as he becomes a more flexible, more explosive athlete to, to go with that high feel, just yeah. high-level skill, this is a special kid. Now, another special kid that's getting a lot of exposure and a lot of talk is Evan Mobley. Give us just some quick thoughts on your belief in Evan Mobley's game and where does the rookie of the year competition and rankings kind of kind of go? I know there's a lot of hype with Evan Mobley's defense. And yes, defense is important. But me, how I see the game is offense puts butts in the tickets and the offensive guys get paid. The buckets get paid. The playmakers get paid. And Rudy got paid. But, you know, that's like an anomaly. Evan is special in his own right. The offense is going to come. But how many offensive guys going 16 and eight don't win rookie of the year? Tell me some of your thoughts on Evan and then the race. So the thing with Evan that he has going for him is that he plays for the Cavs. So the Cavs playing well, you can directly point to Evan Mobley and be like, he's the reason why they're, they're as good as they are. Like, look at their defense this year. They're incredible. And that's unlocked them as being from being a bottom feeder to being a legit good team. Even if the Raptors end up as a six seed, can you really say Scotty's the rookie of the year? The reason they're the six seed? Not really, because there's like, there's a lot of other really good players that are growing into their roles, right? OG comes mm-hmm. back and the Raptors rip off like, you know, eight of 10, eight of 11. It's like, well, OG, OG ended up going off. He's MIT, right? <laughs> so, just, so like, there's not as much like, uh, like there's more things to point to for why the Raptors might do well than the Cavs would. Otherwise, like Evan Mobley, Evan Mobley's different in the sense of like, Scotty's really big. And like, you notice how big he is on the court, but he's still like somewhat even like just size wise, 6'10", 6'11", guy. So he's still even with a, Evan Mobley's like, absurdly like he'll just like you'll be like all right i think he stopped and it's like no no i'll just <laughs> i'll just put my hand up and i'm at the rim right like yep. it's just odd it's like brandon ingram like randomly with that, picks off with that foot speed oh my so God. it's crazy and he's so skinny and like he covers so much ground with one stride it's just odd to watch so he's just a completely different type of creep like, i don't even know how to like every time i watch him it's just like i'm just amazed by how he moves because just trying to understand like how a player can even look the way he does he's, and do all things he does. He's a freaking nature. And that's why I think the defense like just looks amazing from him. And I think big guys by like, it's just, it is so vital for big guys to be good defenders and for him to be mm-hmm. like legitimately like, and the talk has already kind of started where like, Hey, if he kind of keeps playing like this, maybe he has an all defense case legitimately, mm-hmm. which would be absurd for a rookie. Right. And then offensively he does, he does. He's still putting up good stats. He still gets you 13, 14 points and he gets a rebounds and he can pass the ball. It's going to be tougher, Scotty, I think, to win rookie of the year straight out. Also, I think his Cade's going to have like he's the third guy in the race. He's on a really bad team and he gets a ton hey, of minutes. He's, ca- he's, he's catching, catching up. up. So it looks good at some point. Like you're going to have Cade playing 40 minutes a night in the like the February, March, April's of the season. And it's like, all right, he might put well, it away. Going back to Evan's defense in. in- I'm a Scotty truther in this race. I think Scotty's number one case in point. <laughs> Just again, I value the offense a little more, especially on a team like the Raptors, where the big questions coming into the year were, where's the offense going to come from? Right. It all, it all seems like it's Siakam or else. And now I feel a little more comfortable that we can go bucket for bucket with a lot of these teams this year. Evan Mobley in his own right is playing with a wonderful seven foot athletic defender in Jared Allen. Isaiah Okora has kind of taken the step. He's been dynamite this last month and a half. 
they kind of got a system where we got these small guards and we're going to surround them with a bunch of big ass long arm wings. Even Lori Markkinen doesn't look out of place there. So does that play a little bit into the conversation where, I mean, the Cavs have been a little more healthier. Uh, Dar- you know, Darius Garland has been kind of taking the next step. He's looked fantastic. I don't, I don't think he's better than Van Fleet yet, but he's, the way that Van Fleet has just been a spectacular point guard this year, Garland in his own right has been a 19-6, 19-7 guy. Yeah. And then playing with Jared Allen, who it just he's been one of the more underrated bigs. I hosted a Spaces over the summer uh, with Jake Fisher of Bleacher Report, where he said, yeah, the Cavs think the biggest uh, risk to losing Jared Allen is the Toronto Raptors. What has Jared Allen done for that team? And do you think the voters and some of us might – bring Evan Mobley down a notch a little bit in terms of defensive impact, just because hey, that they're really well coached. They're tough. They're winning a lot of games and it's not, it's not too shabby to play next to Jared Allen. I think it's, it's going to end up being tough of the year. And I think when it comes to the actual voting for the award, it's always kind of a crapshoot because like half the voters aren't watching the games really. So they're just kind of going to vote. However, the big guys vote. Um, when it comes to defense, most people aren't even watching for defense. So if they're told the guy is really good at defense, they just assume he's really good at defense, right? That's why a lot of people mm-hmm. still think Scotty Barnes elite defensively. I'm like, hey, not, well. not, yet, not yet. He'll, he'll get there. He'll, not, not yet. He's all right. He's all, he gets pulled <laughs> by a lot, to be honest. But uh, so I think that's probably going to go away. Talking about the Cavs real quick, but like with Darius Garland, it's such a good situation for him because it's basically that team is made for a small guard who can shoot threes to get shots up, right? Like if you put Trey Young in that system, he'd also like it's made for him where you got all these big screeners that you can play with. <laughs> Three seven can, footer setting you screens. can throw the ball to them and like you throw the ball to Evan Mobley in a high post. He's just holding the ball high while you're running <laughs> around screens with the other big guys to get free. And he just drops you a pass. Like mm-hmm. that's crazy. Right. So Darius Garland, he's been amazing. I don't want to take anything away from him, but it's also like they have a really good fit situation there. And he's the high usage offense guy, right? Uh, especially with Sexton gone now, he's the only high usage offense guy. So it's a cool situation. I don't know how the voters are going to end up doing it. I'll be honest, I feel like there'll be some fatigue at some point. And it's going to be interesting. I think, like, this is one of those rookie of the year races where it's, like, you have multiple legitimate good cat candidates, right? It's not like you're trying to pick between, like, uh, Malcolm Brogdon played the whole season. And he was way better, <laughs> but he only played 30 games. Like, it's not that situation where you're trying to give, like, uh, you know, maybe, like, an average player a rookie of the award rather than, like, legit, you've got, like, three or three super potential superstars in the race right now. So. Mm-hmm. All right, I got a couple of final comments to make, or I guess I'll put it to you and then I'll answer. When it's all said and done, what's your top five redraft? When it's all said and done, pretend you're in the year 2030, you got, we talked about Evan Mobley. We talked about Kate is making a comeback. He's been special. Scotty's been great. Josh Giddy looks fantastic. Uh, an, an unsung guy, Alperin Sengun. I got him on my fantasy team. I got league pass, seen a couple Rockets games. They're buzzing. He's playing a lot more minutes. The other night, I think he had 19, 11, and 5. Suggs up and down, shooting not well. Jalen Green up and down, shooting not well. Where do you see this future top five 10 years from now? Just based off of the 20 games. We'll be premature. Have some fun. YouTube comments. I know you guys are going to cry about it. You'll live. Yeah. Go so. Ahead. Here's my thing. Like my whole thing is like throughout like the history of the NBA, the biggest, most skilled dudes are the guys you go with. Right. Like you've already got the proof in the pudding that Mobley's special. You've got like, they're not stiffs. Mobley is not a stiff. He's not, he's not, you know, James Wiseman might be a good player, but Hey, for what we've seen so far, kind of a stiff, right? 
Yeah, Mobley sunned him in high school too. <laughs> so, like with Evan Mobley, I I personally, even if we did a redraft right now, I pick Evan Mobley number one just because like I love big guys and the fact that he's so skilled, so big, so long, and that freaking good defensively, and he's so mobile. Like to be a mobile big is just like like that that makes you the most special player on the court. And with the way the league's going, where everybody needs to be highly skilled, that's my guy all the way. Like Mobley's probably your number one. And then I'm taking Scotty second because Scotty's the next biggest, <laughs> next biggest, and yes, next sir. That's how it goes, right? And you know, Cade's great. I think I'd take Cade third. And it's just one of those things where it's like, man, do you need at that point, do you want like your point of attack guy to set everybody up to be the center of your offense? Or do you want like this like unicorn style? It's like, yo, do you want Giannis or Doncic? Like, that's kind of what I'm thinking. Right? It's like, man, it's a tough decision. Uh, I'm gonna go Giannis because I like my big dudes, right? Like, no, that's fair. Like, no other team's gonna have a guy for him. Right, mm-hmm. other teams might have a guy for a Doncic or a Cade, but nobody's gonna have a Giannis. There's one of those. It's no. a one-on-one type thing, right? So I think Scotty second, Cade third, and then after that, I'll be honest. Like this draft's got a lot of. It's tough because right now the guys that are doing really well in the draft, I think, are probably just gonna become like elite role players and good starters. Like Franz Wagner's been awesome, but yep. is he gonna be your star? Probably not. He's gonna be like you know like a really good starter in the league. Um, you know, Alperen Sengun does some really interesting things. But I just don't trust slow-footed bigs <laughs> for that region of the world. And he's six like, nine. Yo, I'm like, man, you look too like. I'm like, why do you look like Ennis Cantor on defense? I cannot <laughs> trust this. Ennis Cantor, if you remember, the first couple of years was elite offensively. Oh. It was like 120, 130 already, and then the defensive yep. rating was like 130, 140 defensively. Yep. Like he's a third overall pick. Yeah. I forgot in the Valanciunas draft. Yeah. So <laughs> it's it's tough, right? So, but he's been really good. I don't really know if I have a four four and five to be honest with you. It's tough. I think Jalen Green still has the opportunity to be really good, but he also has the opportunity to be really bad. Like his, yeah. <laughs> his, 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 his he's like literally he could be like, yeah, he could be like a horrible gunner. He could be like maybe like a Gerald Green, <laughs> or nice. he could be like legitimately like a Kobe T Mac type, right? Like where it's just like crazy athletic gunner. So it's it's just such a wide range of those guys. I think the top three though that I have for sure is those guys. Um, I wouldn't put Suggs in my top five yet. I'll be honest with Suggs. I personally, even before the draft, and I, I would say this in DMs, I don't want to piss anybody off on TL. I'm like, man, like I just, I just don't see it with him. I'm like, I know he's making these like really good passes when he sees the passes. I know he's like, when he gets downhill, he's like a bullet. But there's just something in his game, and I guess like people always talk about Drew Holiday as a comp, where I'm like, offensively, it's just like it feels like it's just not this. It's not the same pace that I want from like my number one guy where he's just like beating you. Like he's making a decision before you and it's like near unstoppable. And his jump shot is just like, like I'm sure it'll be good at some point, but it's just not there. And I do not trust guards with iffy jump shots because I think a lot of the guards that have come into the league over the past few years, and I blame Steph Curry because he's got everybody shooting threes and chucking Mm -hmm. really long threes. None of these kids really work on their jump shot as much. And Mm -hmm. the game has gotten so fast paced that it's a lot of it's like, yo, if you're super athletic, you're getting a ton of layups, getting a ton of paint looks in college and stuff like that, even if you're a guard. Um, so a lot of these guards just can't shoot and then they don't really learn to shoot and they kind of no. like half shooters. Right. So that's my only issue with Suggs. So I kind of have him outside of my top five still, but his best shooting game was against us. Damn near. <laughs> <laughs> but even though it's like, yo, when you see him shoot, it's like, if it goes in, it goes in, but it's like, man, I, I, I think you can live with flat. it. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's fair. That's fair. What do I got? Uh, I, I grew I grew up in Michigan. I got to show love uh, to my Pistons fans. Uh, Cade, over this last, I like to say six, seven games, you're starting to to see it. 
like the the same thing that you say that you, you don't see in Suggs, which is fair. I'm a Suggs truther. Love this game. I, you know, I'm a big college fan. I You can make an argument that he was the best player in the tournament. Struggling against Baylor in the first half. Was great in the second half. Tried to lead the comeback. Didn't happen. I'm a Suggs truther. But I see why people don't see whether that be the lack of explosiveness, the handle's not all the way there. He's more of a connector playmaker than a natural. I got eyes everywhere, eyes in the back of my head. With Cade, I just kind of see a guy who offensively, when it's all said and done, has zero weaknesses. And he's also going to be an elite perimeter defender. I I know people harp on Cade's lack of first. I don't think there's a lack of first step. It's just a different type of first step. It's not like the Jalen Green explosiveness. It's more so, I know people say Luca. Earlier, I was thinking a little more Kawhi. He's a bigger, bigger cat. For someone 6'8", 6'7", really, really tight handles. He's strong. He's crafty. He kind of it just, it feels natural with him, like a stiff, it's not stiffness. It's more so I'm a bully that just happens to have natural gifts with the ball. I don't know how to explain it so much, he's, but he's, he, he navigates, like he's able to navigate screens, exactly. right, at that size, which is the biggest thing. Like, are you a Michael Porter jr. Type where you can't really like, you can get a screen call for you, but I, I don't really know how to navigate around and like snake around the screen, but like, Kate, you can play in the inside of the middle of the, the middle of possessions and get around screens. <laughs> I'm so. not allowed to slander Michael Porter because <laughs> I'm an alum of Mizzou. So, uh, you know, I got my diploma there. I'm not trying to piss off any of the old heads there, but I see exactly what you're saying. We just and then with Cade, a lot of people were saying, "Wow, is the shooting real?" He wasn't really a great shooter in high school and AAU level, and then he was a 40 plus percent shooter in OK State, and then it kind of tails off. People blame John Beeline. Now you're seeing him shooting around 38, 39 percent pull up. Just like doesn't matter. He can get it in any way. He's a good playmaker, good defender. I think he's my number one guy just because of the direction of the league. Giannis in his own right is a unicorn, but other than Giannis, the teams that win championships are your big all-around wings, and I just want to stick with that for now. I love Scotty. Him and Mobley are interchangeable. I just think about life with Mobley if he was a Toronto Raptor. The way that I love Scotty Barr so much, now I was not a, a big fan, I'll be honest. I'm not, you know, not going to lie. I didn't really see it with Scotty. Boy, he shut me up. But you put Evan Mobley in this same development program, this same infrastructure, the way that you said Giannis, that Scotty could be, oh, my God, Evan would be special here. And then, yeah, him and Scotty are interchangeable. The last two guys, I like Josh Giddy. Josh Giddy is just fun to watch. I, I, I think playmaking is a dying art in basketball. The guys that are just super unselfish, they, it's, they're just natural Floor generals. He's a six eight six nine natural floor general. He, he just makes everyone better. Uh, Gilks Alexander, future Raptor, loves playing with them. Um, when they when he was not in the lineup with Shane, a bunch of those guys they lost by seventy. He played us a, what a week and a half ago where we lost. He was fantastic. I got him as my four guy uh, and five. I'm a Jalen Suggs truther. He gonna figure it out. Shout out Jalen Suggs. I'm not gonna give up on him. So that's my top five. Asada, it was great to have you. Where can we find you in your work? What's coming up with you? Uh, what's going on before I let uh, you go here? None too much. Just uh, hit me up on Twitter. Uh, you can find me at Swart Lasers. Otherwise, you know, just follow Yahoo Sports. Doing a lot of good stuff here. Uh, Rescott Friday Views. It's always a must-watch. So just plug in, stay tuned, subscribe, Appreciate like, it. comment, all that good stuff. Keep the engagement up. Um, that's all I got to say, man. Sounds good. Uh, I look at the YouTube comments. Calm down. I see them. Show some damn respect. This is Friday Views, Rappers Over Everything, Yahoo Sports Canada. This is Reese Asad. Go Raps. See you Saturday. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. 
Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com.